When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Three KXNO. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon on a Thursday, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon and Ken Miller for the next couple of hours talking sports with you. Thank you for spending uh, some of your morning here with us. The BMW Des Moines guest list is going to cover a lot of ground. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, our draft guy, Matt Manasarian uh, from What's the name of the site? Sports Info, Sports Solutions. Info Solutions. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Sports Info Solutions. Matt Manasarian will join us. They got a really cool app, a great draft tool there. If you're into it, uh, Sports Info Solutions. Matt Manasarian joins us at the bottom of the hour. Kind of pulled a John Sterling there when I couldn't remember the guest. Go on! <laughs> uh, at 11.05, uh, Dane Mazzatani covers Minneapolis sports for the St. Paul Pioneer Press. We will head up to the Twin Cities and talk to Dane Mazzatani. And then, as we promised to do with Rob Doster from the Field of 68, we're going to put a bow on college basketball. Uh, before it gets too far in the rearview mirror, um, we will talk to uh, Rob Doster at 11.30. Kind of look back, look ahead a little bit, talk about the transfer portal Uh and college basketball topics with Rob Doster from the field of 68, about 1130. Trent's play of the day before we get out of here at noon. So a, a disappointing night basketball-wise, mm-hmm. I thought, Trent, I thought the game stunk. Yep, I was with you. As good as uh, the games were, well, the last one in particular, the T-Wolves uh, in particular on, uh, what night was it, Tuesday night? Last night wasn't the uh, shiniest night in sports, at least in the NBA. You know what I noticed, and this might be a simple case of uh, me um, infrequently watching ESPN and the NBA on ESPN, and it's something that I've been lobbying for for a long time uh, because the crawl drives me nuts when I'm trying to not watch a score. Mm-hmm. There's no crawl in the NBA games. Now, is that new or is that always? It's a great question. And then now that you say it, yeah, that just kind of jumps no crawl. with me. Right. Is there a reason behind that? I hope it's because, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they're going to do away with the crawl. And the crawl's on Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's an NBA or a playoff thing. Um, That's but, interesting. But, but yeah, it jumped because, off my TV. And it, it didn't to me. I didn't even think about it. But now that you say that, yeah, it wasn't no on crawl. there. Right. For, huh. for either of the ESP now, we'll see them again. They get the Friday coverage, right? Let's see here. We got Friday game one. It'll be, what, Atlanta at Cleveland. That is an ESPN game. And TNT for the nightcap. TNT for the nightcap. All right, so we'll tune into the early game. By the way, I like Atlanta in that game. They're minus three. They're favored in the game. favored at Cleveland. Well, I'm not alone. They're playing well. Nine out of 11 now for Atlanta. That was my reason behind them yesterday, and they cruised. Oh, did they ever? uh, One of the podcasts, a betting podcast I listened to, 
their great play for this guy was the under in the game. So I played it last night. Uh huh. Two thirty-five and a half. And what was the total? Two thirty-five. How about that? <laughs> It's unbelievable. I was sweating at the end. I bet you were. That was the most entertained I was all night long the last two minutes of that game. <laughs> and that's what sports wagering does, right? Because most uh, of America, Trent, nope. just, just in. It changed the channel. Uh-huh. They were finding something else because that game was it was just not good. No. Uh, Charlotte's just not ready for playoffs, and uh, they'll n- no longer in the playoffs. As, uh, they had home balls fun to watch. I mean, he's about their only guy, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you could see why he's... I guess named Rookie of the Year last year. He's a good player. Miles Bridges is decent, but yeah, yeah, but Ball's the future, yep. and he's what twenty years old still. Is that all he he's is? Twenty years old. They brought it up in the broadcast at one point. So basketball stunk last night. There'll be none of it tonight, and we will resume uh, tomorrow with the final of the play in round. Loser goes on. Winner goes home. Not much hockey for you last night either. No, my Jets were snowed out. <laughs> They were. I mean, it's April. It's, it's it's April. Trent, on this is on. This is an old man. When I was a kid, candy bars were a nickel, which they were. They were a nickel. Yeah, they were. Man, no, you know what? You could get a ten cent candy bar and a five cent candy bar. Wow, the same thing, only half of it. Okay, I don't know if that was the case here. It was there? Um, we never canceled school once in my memory. Once. And, up and there. Up there. And this is a true story. Well, I tell everyone if I tell is a true story. Unless I get it wrong, and it's not on purpose. Um, when I was in school, you went to school for whatever the first bell was, say 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. At, there's no lunch. You go home for lunch. What? So you put your coat on and your boots on, and you walk home, and then you walk back to school for 1 o'clock. Honest to God, there was no school lunches, no cafeterias. What kind of cockamamie system it, you guys have it, up it, there? It was brutal, but point being, never cancel school. So you'd walk home in the snow. Yes, and, and go back. For one o'clock. Get your sandwich from mom. Yep. Slug it down, get your stuff back on, and boom, out the door you'd go. Um, but they canceled school yesterday for the first time in 25 years. So apparently they did it, you know, after I got out, but just goes, we're a hardy bunch. Man, what? It, I mean, they got snow tires on those buses? How yeah, do they absolutely. get people around? Yeah, that snow tires is a must. Absolutely a must. And plugging your car in. Yeah. Um, I remember those days. Did you had to oh, do yeah, that here, yeah. the block heater. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, so let's get back to sports. But uh, yeah, they canceled the Jets. So the NHL for me was, for the most part, non-existent last night. But I saw the, Colorado scored nine goals. This they're unreal. Uh, and Nathan McKinnon got three of them. Got three of them. Um, they're going to be tough to beat. They're the betting favorite. They are the betting favorite by far. Maybe Florida, I think, out of the East is the mm-hmm. second choice. I'm telling you, the Wild have a big shot. And I'm excited to talk to Dane Mozatani about that and about the Twins and about the T-Wolves and maybe a little Vikings conversation um, with uh, with Dane Mozatani at 11.05. Baseball. From yesterday, a lot was, of day games. Yes, there was, and of course the here's what I'm here's where I'm encouraged that of the back and forth amongst Kershaw. Mm-hmm. More people were talking about baseball yesterday in the afternoon, and and I that I hope as many people that had an opinion on that actually watched the game because if or not that game baseball in general. Sure, because if that's the case, baseball is in fine shape. Right, because that brought out the opinion whether you're on the side was the right thing or the wrong thing. People certainly had their opinion on what they would have done to Clayton Kershaw with Clayton Kershaw. So where do you go? I, I did. They, they did the right thing, and and that's exactly where I was. Trent, too. He pitched eleven and two thirds innings in spring training. Eleven and two thirds, eighty. Okay, this is not June. No. This is not the this is not the this is not the goal. The goal's not to get your guy a perfect game. He's 34, he's always injured. 
He said it himself. He would come. We should have come out of the game. And then you see the guys that pitch before, right? And I get it. As you get older, your generation was the best. Fergie Jenkins mm-hmm. that had to drag me off the mound. Jake Arrieta, who hasn't been gone that long, he essentially said the same thing. But you know who didn't? Clayton Kershaw. Right. Clayton Kershaw said it was the right move. He pitched 11 and two-thirds innings going into that start yesterday. It was his first start of the year. The final out, his final out, and after Mediacom, I got home and I turned it on right away because I'd heard on satellite what was going on. Um, the final out of the game, or his final out, Gavin Lux made a remarkable play to keep it intact because I thought the ball was through the middle. Mm-hmm. So just because he would have come out for the eighth, this means he's getting the perfecto. No. He's got six outs to go. Um, there's 23 in history. I get it. But he's all, he's often injured at this point in his career, and the goal is to get him through the season to the postseason. It's as simple as that. When he exited the game, it was also a 3 nothing game. It's not right. like it was in hand. It was, hey, just go out there and throw it down the middle, and if mm-hmm. they hit it at a guy a couple of times... And we'll get you through here, and we'll get you out at ninety pitches. It wasn't like that. It was a three nothing game yep. when he exited. So, and he was fantastic. I mean, he struck out thirteen. Yeah, he was. He, the Twins were totally baffled by this guy. But as he said after the game, look, blame the lockout. He didn't pick up a ball until January. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously out of the norm for him. And could he have stretched out? Look at Johan Santana, perfect example. That's exactly where we're going. In fact, I got an article. How many off pitches about did that. he throw? 120? 100? He threw a bunch. I remember watching the game. I believe it was a Friday night. I was with a bunch of buddies. 134. There you go. Is what he threw. And then very quickly afterwards, it was over. For mm-hmm. all intents and purposes, yep. his career ended mm-hmm. on a night where he threw a no hitter. A veteran, a guy that had battled injury at that point in his career with the Mets. And afterwards, it completely derailed him. If he's pulled in the sixth, seventh inning of that game, who knows? Mm-hmm. You, you just you never know with something like this. And in an early portion of the season, I know perfect games are rare. It's not a no-hitter. It's a perfect game. Right. The rarity of that <laughs> yeah. and how few times it's ha- happened in baseball history. And baseball's history is still important. I mean, it's still a huge No one part. guards their records like baseball. It's not even close. Mm-hmm. What they do and the importance of those numbers and for games and, and everything else that goes along with it. But you're right. This is what the Dodgers, they don't care about an April game. No. It doesn't matter. No, not and at all. If this team, with everything that they have, if they come up short and they don't win their second World Series, it is going to be a failure. And if they do that because Clayton Kershaw is on the bench, because he's not able to pitch, because he gets hurt later in the year, because he stretched himself and went too far in April... Dave Roberts can get killed. Mm-hmm. What did you say? What you asked me a question on Monday, um, and it had to do with pitchers. How many pitchers went seven innings? Yes. What was the question again? How many pitchers completed seven innings? And the first weekend, or the first weekend, it was like through the first four days. Through the days. first four days, and the answer was four. 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 That went seven. Right. Not a complete game. Nope. Seven. In Major League Baseball, only four pitchers went seven. You're asking a guy who's often injured, who, again, had pitched 11 and two-thirds innings of baseball in spring training. He was nowhere near ready to do that. I love the fact that people are debating it. I love the fact that people are passionate on the Dodgers never should have done this to him, or they're like us and they have the opposite take of it. People are talking about baseball. Yes. That's great. I hope, like I say, I hope there's many people has had that opinion on them actually watch these games because if that's the case, baseball's in great shape. Back in my day. Right. Well, it's not your day anymore. <laughs> your day's back. Yeah. It's a different era. <laughs> it is. And 
You can be upset about it. You can be frustrated about it. But this is the reality. Lots of things have changed. And a lot of things have changed for the better. We can argue the merits of this is better or worse, but it's the reality. Yeah. The reality is that's what happens, especially early on. He threw 80 pitches. That was the number. And he's done. Mm-hmm. Perfect game or not. <laughs> and guess what? You'll get to see him in four more days. That's just it, right? And that maybe wasn't the case had he gone on longer. But Derek Heckman asked me, if uh, <laughs> was it uphill both ways? <laughs> <laughs> no, Manitoba's flat as the desk you're sitting at, or <laughs> flat as a pancake anyways, but it was cold. That I can tell you. So the uh, Kershaw stuff from yesterday, um, look, at he was great, and I think they did the right thing. We shall see. He says, maybe we'll get another opportunity at it. Yeah. Maybe we'll get an opportunity. Now, baseball at least was um, safe for me yesterday, or the night was safe for me yesterday because I wasn't into the hockey. Basketball stunk. But watching Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Trent mm-hmm. do what he did yesterday against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. I know it's not the original; it's still Yankee Stadium, uh, and it's still the pinstripes. <laughs> and to hit three home runs in that ballpark, and Trent, he was spiked early in the game. Oh, I didn't realize that he was spiked at first base early in the game, and actually walked off the field with a trainer and his who had a towel around his right hand because one of his fingers it was bleeding profusely. Wow. But they um, taped them, take them up, put them up there, and promptly hit his second home run of the game. Then he doubled down the right field line. And then he homered again in the eighth inning. What a performance out of one of the game's best young players, fair to say. Oh, no doubt. MVP candidate. I think he is. He's a guy that can 49 put bombs. Him, how, him and Salvi had 48 or 49 last year. One of those two. Yeah. Um, He's a triple crown threat. He really is. My question to you is, as I, um, I mean, and I hope against hope, he's that that a team doesn't come in and give him like like his pops left Montreal to go to to the, go to the Angels, yeah, right? Yeah. But at the time, Montreal was flailing and they were right. about to leave. And do you think he stays up there? Well, this is the what second richest ownership group in baseball. Are they really? Yeah, I didn't know that. They are a big market. Uh, they're a huge market. They spend, yeah, well, and they are yeah, spending. Yeah, no, he's fine. I hope so too. I don't see this being. This isn't a guy in Tampa, right? This isn't a guy in Minnesota, right? It's a huge market. Yep, where, with, you, where they can afford him. Yes, absolutely. So because of that, yeah, I think he's going to stay. And you know that Canadian heritage, if you will, that he has growing up. Well, that's just it. I wonder yeah. if that yeah, checks that box on the plus side because I, I Dad so. played up there, and he has to be Montreal, so beloved still, because of that. Uh huh. I mean, those Canadian connections. We talk about it all the time here. Anybody with an Iowa connection. We talked about yeah. Michael Walker. Dude moved away when he was two years old. No, he's an Iowan. He's an Iowan. You know, we we glob to anything, and Canadians do the same kind of thing. I hear Canadians talk about that all the time. Doesn't matter if they're. From Vancouver yeah. or Toronto or Montreal. Tune on a Seattle Mariners game this summer and when the Jays are in town. Mm-hmm. Three quarters of the Bell Ballpark. It's the same at Target Field yeah, this absolutely summer. Absolutely it is. I've been to those games and I, where did all these people come from? It's amazing. Came across the border. Came from Winnipeg. Yes. Came from Regina, from Saskatchewan. Uh, worked there, found their way down there. They love, it's, it's the only MLB team north. It's, it's a, they're the national team. And because of that, I think there is yes, a real chance oh, that he's so. now. He's going to break the bank yeah. if he continues. Still only 23 years old. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So the uh, the big talker from yesterday was John Sterling's call. I got it here. Do you have it? You know what? I kind I, I feel bad. He's 83, 84 years old. He's old. And his voice is still great. It truly is. It's a wonderful yes. sounding yes. baseball voice. Yes. But he misses some things. And he missed one yesterday. And the, and the pictures... 
Well, let's just play because this is the radio call. John Sterling is radio. Michael K and company do the Yes Network. It's Michael K, David Cohn. Oh, there's one other voice. But regardless, John Sterling is on baseball, so the people that were listening to John Sterling did not see the visual that he's about to describe. This Hicks. Here's the 1-0. Swung on. There it goes. Deep left center. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. But caught. <laughs> At the wall. Caught by Tapia. Boy, I thought that was gone. So Stanton got close. <laughs> yes, you did. Um, and he wasn't the first one. You said Dick Bremer blew one this weekend? Uh, yeah. yeah. Gary Sanchez looked like he yeah. had... Uh... Basketball Dick Bremer? <laughs> Basketball Dick Bremer from just a couple years ago, 2008. <laughs> Last time he broadcast a gopher game. Uh, yeah, he had one. Sanchez hit one that looked like it was out. It was into the wind and died at the warning mm-hmm. track there. It happens. Right, exactly. He's not alone. Nope. He does it more often, but he's old. Yeah. His eyes probably don't work nearly as well. Why do people got to kill him? I, it's just because it's Twitter. Yeah, I guess you're right. Just because it's Twitter and it's going to go viral. Yeah. And, um, we, you, Twitter is, was built for those kind of moments, seemingly, right? Mm-hmm. What's the what's the TikTok craze? Are you on TikTok? I downloaded it once and realized very quickly it was an awful thing for me. So it's just a it's just is it Twitter? Just videos. It's yeah. video, right? Yep. Yeah. But you have to have it. Apparently, it's a valuable tool if you're a an influencer. <laughs> I guess. I mean, same thing. You don't do Instagram. Uh, it's Facebook. Yeah, I'm out. Just another one of those. I mean, it's all kind of ultimately the same. It is such a time suck, though. Is we, it? I downloaded it. Oh, yeah, playing around. Oh, yeah. And kind of fun and mm-hmm. looking at these different videos, the things that interest you. And all of a sudden, like 45 minutes have passed. Really? I mean, just like that, in a snap of a finger. You think Twitter's addictive. No, it is. That thing <laughs> is a completely different level. I was shocked just how much and how quickly. And it happened like two different times in the day that I had it. I said, I can't. I just can't. I, mm. I waste enough time as it is on Twitter. Right. I can't do another so one. So would Sterling's call been a TikTok moment? Or oh, is yeah. That, yeah, that, that probably would have been there on there. Yeah. If your baseball is kind of part of your, your thing, that would have yeah. shown up. And then, you know, it's a lot of also people doing their own kind of thing. And, right. If you like watching people pop pimples, you can go down that rabbit oh hole. God, and seriously, oh yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. There's all really, kinds of, oh yeah, all kinds. So why of weird did you stuff. go down that rabbit hole? I, I, I like watching Doctor Pimple Popper. You ever seen that show? I've seen the commercials. Oh. Uh, I don't know that stuff. <laughs> it it just yeah. I I can't explain it. It's just one of those things. That you know, clicks. I um I think I had a a moment in my career that I would have had. I don't know millions of hits on Twitter. Yeah, I have a I have a clip on YouTube from the '90s that has had over a million views. Your race call, yes. And had, had Twitter been around in nineteen? When was it? Nineteen ninety one, nineteen whenever. Had Twitter been around for who farted? Mm-hmm. It would have broke not broke Twitter, but it certainly would have had. I don't know. You tell me. A, gaz- a, a gazillion? How do you spell? H-O-O-F-H-A-R-D, Ed. H-O-O-F-H-A-R-D, Ed. Hoof, hard, Ed. <laughs> and it was a racehorse at, at, at Prairie Meadows. And it's the fall, it's 1989 sometime. And this has had a million views on Twitter. Can you find it? I'm looking for it right now. 
I'll uh, see what I can pop up here. Oh, it shouldn't be that hard, I wouldn't think. H-O-O-F. H-A-R-D. Ed. And when you say it all together, when you run it together, it comes out kind of different. And um, Do you remember George Michael? The George Michael yes, sports machine? Yeah, yes. A uh, DC guy, right? I don't know where he was based. He might have been. I think he was in the East. Um, he played it. But it, it would have it would have got a gazillion views. Anyways, um, we shall move on. Yeah, uh, looking forward to talking to uh, Matt Muzatani. We're going to talk about the regional teams with him. Yeah, yeah, I'm with uh, Manasarian. We're going to do that. Uh, Matt Manasarian, rather. Yeah, we'll uh, take a look at Kansas City and Chicago, both without first rounders. Makes it. No, Kansas City's got the back-to-back. Right? Yeah, they're right late. The They've yeah. got two, like 30 and 31, I think, or 29-30. Something like that. Mm-hmm. They got the two late. The Bears without. It just, we talked about this yesterday. Hard for me yeah, to get me deep into the draft year. without that first rounder. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Vikings. We'll hit the Packers. So Vikings are going to take a corner. Yeah, there's a lot I of I think they are. If, they get, if Stingley falls from LSU... Um, who, if you go back to his freshman campaign, this guy was can't miss when it's his draft year. He's going to be first overall. Um, but I think they're because Sauce Gardner, the kid from Cincinnati, is is going to go ahead of that. And no, he's fallen in the draft a little bit. Maybe it has, has nothing more to do than his position. Um, Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame. Now, true, he was hurt and he didn't finish the year. He missed a ton of uh, games um, late in the year, but he's fun. But I think that the Vikings have to shore up the secondary. They got the running game, they got the receivers, uh, they get their tight end who was hurt last year. Like him or like him or not, Kirk Cousins is coming back. They need defensive help. I think that's the way they go. Can you uh, help me out here? Why all of a sudden is Ahmad Gardner being known as Sauce? That's his nickname. I don't like know. out of nowhere, right? No, I think he was Sauce Gardner okay. at Cincy. I don't remember it. Don't at least you? outside of a, a cursory kind of uh, hey, his nickname. And all of a sudden, now every single mm-hmm. mock draft I see, it's Sauce. Sauce, right? Come on, yeah. I mean, this isn't Neon Dion, right? Well, not yet, but um, no, he gets pe- there. People think he's got a chance to be a really. He's uh, big. He is six two, right? Six two, yeah. six three. He's a big. He's a big corner. No doubt about I that. I found uh, the race call. Did you? I Where did. did you find? How many views on the one you're at? Uh, let's see. This one has 40,503. Oh, there's, there's a bunch there's of There's a bigger one. Okay. But it's the same thing. So. <laughs> All right. Here's the, uh, this one's from nine years ago. No, no. Is oh, it harness racing? No, it's not harness racing. <laughs> you don't have it. I, I, I'm just clicking around here. All right. Here's another one. From 1989 or 91 or something like that. Let's see what we got here. I want to. I want to hear the tones of a young, younger yeah. Ked Miller. No, it's thirty something. Barnett on the extreme outside. Colorado Colette toast a dozen on the inside. Questers Jet. Who farted? Who farted on the outside? It's close. Who farted in the winner's circle? <laughs> that was just a short clip there. Ah. <sighs> How great. What year was it? Does it say? It doesn't, though. Not on that clip. I think 91. Anyways, uh, we will talk some NFL uh, football coming up next. NFL draft conversation uh, with Stats Info Solutions. Looking forward to discussing that. As uh, what, what's Matt's Twitter at Matt Mano at Matt Mano is where you can follow him on Twitter. Matt Manasarian coming up next. Former scout of the Browns and of the Saints. We're going to take a look at the four regional teams. The Packers have two. The Chiefs have two. Vikings have one. And Bears. Eesh. They hopefully have a quarterback. 
Yeah, and did you see there's a, who who was a poo-pooing him a little bit? Oh, Mike Florio. Oh, really? And that, uh, yeah, he caused quite a stir yesterday amongst Bears fans, thinking that... They, he does that a lot. Yeah, he does. He's good at stirring the pot. Mm-hmm. 10-25, Miller and Condon underway on a Thursday NFL conversation. Next, Twin Cities uh, with Dane Mozatani at 11.05, and then Rob Doster going to put a bow on the college basketball season at 11.30. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Colorado co-ed, toast a dozen on the inside. Questers Jet, who farted? Who farted on the outside? It's close. Who farted in the winner's seat? Back to Miller and Condon on 14.60 KXNO and 106.3 FM. All right, Miller and Condon, welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. As we take you up until noon, Matt Manassari and all of our draft conversation sponsored by the good folks at Graphite Construction Group. Matt Manassarian starts us off as we take a look at uh, some of the regional teams here today. He's been with us the last couple of weeks as we inch our way here to the draft, which is now down to two weeks from tonight, round number one. Matt Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing pretty well and uh, anxious to see some of the guys, the risers and the fallers. And as we talked about last week, you know, you're at the point where we've passed the point where you can believe anything that you hear when it comes from a team is the misinformation. That, that flow is uh, strong right now. But we thought we'd try to zero in on some of the regional teams with you here, Matt, if that's okay, uh, where we sit here in Des Moines. We're surrounded by four teams within, oh, what, Trent, there's Chicago, the furthest away at five hours, mm-hmm. Packers maybe about the same and of course the uh, uh the uh, chiefs and the vikings just up the road so matt let's start with those vikings who seemingly have to go defense right and corner is a position that i think that they have to address hamilton the safety from notre dame fascinates me i think he's a good player and he seems to be dropping but i, I think corners where the vikings will go do you feel that way and if so uh, who are some of the uh, targets you think the Vikings should be zeroing in on? Yeah, well, I'm, a, I'm a, always going to be a big proponent on taking the best player available and not doing as much need-based drafting. But I think you're certainly right. When you look at uh, on NFLDraft.SportsInfoSolutions.com, we have an interactive depth chart where you can see what we call the sonar for, for the team. And, yeah, the strength, the strength is a lot of the positions on, on offense. And the weaknesses especially are on the back end on defense and, and at that corner position. If you could get, uh, you know, the, the top tier safety in the draft, I, you know, I think that's a no brainer just in terms of the the player that you'd be getting, uh, and Kyle Hamilton, what he is. I think he's a, a blue chip type player. But if you're going to go cornerback in this spot, um, you know, I think that Ahmad Gardner and Derek Stingley might be off the board uh, before you get to pick. Uh, but there are some other; those are our top two guys. But then you kind of get into the next tier of players. Trent McDuffie is a really interesting player, technician, can play in the slot. You've got Andrew Booth Jr. out of Clemson. Um, he's another guy that we think has, has strong starting ability. And uh, Ahmad Gardner's teammate at Cincinnati, Kobe Bryant, not an elite speed guy, but another guy that we think could be a solid starter in the NFL. So you look at the Vikings draft, they uh, have a pick in both the first, second, and third round in their spot, but then they have three in the sixth round. When you have something like that, Matt, you talk about you're not big into needs-based drafting, but when you're kind of taking those dartboards, those flyers late in the draft, you got, say, three like they do in the sixth round, what do you think would be something smart for them to target with one of those picks? 
So, you know, there's always market inefficiencies that you can try to exploit in the late rounds. But with anything, there's also a risk that it's just not going to work out. Right. Um, sometimes you get you get a, a player there that could be a great player. It could be Stefan Diggs, but there's also a high probability <laughs> yep. that that player could bust out. And you, you have to make choices. Do you want a player like that or do you want a player that probably doesn't have as high a ceiling, but you feel like is going to be a solid depth spot for you? So at that point, I, not need, but talking about fit, I think fit can be a really important thing. So if you have a sort of uh, wide receiver room uh, like the Vikings do where, where uh, you're pretty strong there, then maybe you're not thinking about you know taking that flyer on the guy that's at 6-3 and runs a, a 4-4 and didn't have production, but you think you could make something out of him. Uh, maybe at that point you're better off looking at depth on the defensive line or, or taking another shot at a corner. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think that you want to stack your board. You want to get your feeling on how, how you value each player, how they fit on your team. And oftentimes what's, what's kind of surprising when you're actually in a draft room is as you get to day three on the draft, oftentimes it's guys that have, you know, I don't believe in round-based grading, but like the equivalent of third and fourth round type grades, those guys will be available for you there in the sixth round uh, because everybody grades these players differently and, and values them differently. So if you can sit there and be patient, then you can take some shots at players that you actually felt better about than, than a quote-unquote sixth-round pick. Hmm. I know you don't like to draft for, for positional need, but boy, the Packers seemingly have to have to. That receiver room that just talked about the Vikings in, in, in a good spot, not necessarily the case in, in Green Bay. We love Alan Lazard. He played at Iowa State. He's carved out a nice career uh, with what he does. He's, he's more than a pass catcher. He's, he's willing to do the dirty stuff that a lot of them aren't willing to do, right? But boy, this sure seems like a massive, massive hole on this roster for Aaron Rodgers who comes back and Adams moves on to the Raiders. They need receivers, at least in my eye, in the worst way. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, they're, they're, the cupboard is, is almost bare. You, know, you mentioned Alan Lazar. There's really not much there. You're going to count on Randall Cobb. You know, like, I don't know what we're, we're really talking about there. You do think that, that the Packers will play usually with just two receivers on the field as opposed to kind of the three-receiver base that, that we see from a lot of teams around the NFL. But getting a, a guy in there that, that can have some semblance of a replacement for Devontae Adams would be huge for them. Obviously, having Aaron Rodgers helps because he can help make a receiver better. Um, but when we look at this draft, we've got seven receivers that we actually grade as starting caliber wide receivers in the draft. Excuse me, eight. Eight receivers as starting caliber wide receivers. So I do think somebody will be there from them. Um, if it's not one of our top guys, the Traylon Burks, the Jamison Williams, you know, there's a lot of different ice cream flavors amongst these these eight guys. Um, there's there's something for everybody in terms of you want a big body, go up and, and get the contested catch, Drake London. Uh, do you want somebody that's more of the, the explosive type, Jameson Williams, um, Garrett Wilson, and Chris Olave, the, the Ohio State teammates? Um, these guys all could be starting caliber receivers on the NFL level. Offensive line. The Packers have done a great job of retooling that offensive line. Feels like they have so many injuries yet. They always find a way to make it at least competent. How they draft, how they evaluate offensive line, do you think it's different than some other teams? Because it just seems like they do such a good job of identifying talent. Yeah, I think it's a combination of identifying talent and also of developing talent. One of the big things that, get, that gets lost in, in, you know, we always like to look at this GM drafted this player and therefore he's smart or he's dumb. But there's a lot that goes into it in terms of the development of the player once they get onto the roster. 
And I think that's really what you've seen in Green Bay is organizationally there's been a focus on that position group. They've always invested in development there. They've always had a, a kind of great culture there that's fed on and, and built a tradition on itself where you've had guys kind of carrying the torch um, from, from, from one generation to another there. So I think a lot of that comes back to the development, but certainly, too, you've got to give them credit for finding the right type of people that fit into their system. Um, you know, you'd love to shore up the tackle position going through some injuries there over the last couple of years and things like that. But uh, I think that you're right, that, that um, there's something more than meets the eye going on there. Well, one more on Green Bay. They draft 22 and then again the 28th. Their 22nd is the Raiders pick uh, came over in the Adam, Devontae Adams trade. When, when you were with the Saints or when you're with the Browns, I don't know if it ever came up, Matt, but when you have two picks relatively close together, What's the is is there a risk of taking the same position with those two picks? For for instance, the Packers, if they take a receiver at twenty two, can they come back again at twenty eight, or do you need to you know draft for another position? Taking two guys relatively close to, uh, together, same position, big risk or no? No, no problem with taking two guys at the same position. The risk is making sure that you can fit them both into your roster and into your practice schedule. So, um, you know, when you, when you really think about the way that this is going to work, if you've got a room like the Packers do where you need all that talent, right, these guys are both going to definitely make your team and you're going to expect them to, to contribute right away. What you don't want is to bring in two dumb guys that you're going to have to be really holding their hands a lot because you're going to run out of coaches to help bring these guys along. The good news is you've got Aaron Rodgers that's going to help that process. And um, I think that you've got plenty of room, when, you know, looking at the depth chart again, on, on the NFL Draft website by Sports Info Solutions, you can see that um, they need the talent there. So I, I don't think there's any risk of taking two guys closer together like that. I do think that it's rarer that you'll want to invest that uh, in the same position. It's, it's rare to have like that glaring a need in or that that um, that open a, a depth chart, right? Um, because usually you, you just have you just have a few guys on your team when you're already thinking, okay, if we draft a guy. Who's not going to make our roster, right? Who's who are we upgrading over? It's not hard to figure that out in this particular case. Looking at that depth chart that you guys have over there, again, NFLDraft.SportsInfoSolutions.com. It's a great resource for you NFL draft nicks out there. A lot of blue with my Chicago Bears, a whole lot of bottom percentile for depth chart. Uh, they don't have many picks. They don't have a first rounder. Just an overview of the Bears draft where they certainly feel like they need a lot of help. Yeah, my old boss, uh, Ryan Pace, didn't do a whole lot of favors to the team here. Uh, when you look across the roster, especially on the off- offensive side of the ball, um, there, there are some real holes on this team. Um, now, a lot of this is going to come down to, to the development of the quarterback, and, and if Justin Fields comes along, he's going he's gonna, to you know, help rise the tide around him. But I think that you've got to be focused on building up front with this team. This was a team that, that had a good offensive line there for a while, but it's really started to fall apart. They don't have much of anybody playing tackle for them right now. So, again, I want to stay away from, from need-based drafting, but if you're sitting there in the second round uh, and, and you have one of those top five tackle prospects still available there, that would be very tempting for me. Uh, I love where the Chiefs are at. They've got six picks in the first three rounds, two of which are late in the first round. 
when I look at this team, I mean, what what, what do they need? Uh, do they need to replace Tyreek Hill? They spent a, a lot of capital uh, last year on rebuilding the offensive line for Patrick Mahomes. I think it was better. It can always, you know, you can always add parts to that. If you're the Chiefs with all those picks too late in the first round, what do you think they do? Yeah, so, um, you know, if I'm the Chiefs, I'm trying to sit there and, you know, like always, just play for wait for the best players to fall to me. But I do think they've got to do something about wide receiver. I think they overpaid uh, Valdez Scantling, and, and maybe he will be, uh, you know, even better with Mahomes. Uh, you know, playing with Rodgers is already a pretty advantageous position. I, he's got a good agent, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, but but looking outside of that, you know, you start to think, okay, there's more there's more questions in this wide receiver depth here. Um, you want uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, McCole Hardman. You think these guys can pick up some of the slack there. But I would say it should be a priority to get uh, a top-tier receiver, and there should be some options there at the end of the first round that, that the Chiefs would have to choose from. The other place I look, and knowing having worked with, with Spags before, is that he's going to value having versatile defensive linemen, smart defensive linemen who can rush the passer and defend the run. Uh, that's that's something that he's always going to value. They did some experimenting with Chris Jones at the edge last year, ended up moving him back inside for most of the year. You know, he and Frank Clark are certainly going to be, be leading the way for them along the defensive line. I think if they can find even more uh, depth, even more flexibility there, that's really going to enable what Spags wants to do. You know, I heard an interesting theory about Kansas City and the way they're building this organization, and I want to get your view of it. You know, salary cap, obviously Mahomes is going to come due. They'll be, do some manipulating, as seemingly all teams do. But when you get to that point, the sustainability of this organization, where people were so surprised they let Tyreek Hill walk, the same thing New England did for, what, 15 years, understanding that the value of guys is not as they're becoming stars or even at their peak. You have to get out of those contracts before it gets too cost-prohibitive. Do you like what Veach and Company is doing here, understanding you want to be a winner for a decade, it's not for the next year or two? Yeah, you know, the first thing that I think they did that really helps is structuring the contract with Mahomes in a way that benefited both the player and the organization. They locked down basically $450 million of security for him. And now that wasn't all guaranteed, but the way the contract works is basically it's always guaranteed for the next two years. Um, So every time he plays a year, another year gets guaranteed into the future. Um, And so it's keeping this really balanced relationship where they're not going to have to do this one big major overhaul mortgage to the future. They have the flexibility to do that. They can accelerate things and they turn things into guarantees still if they really want to be able to push their chips all in. But as things have been structured right now, they took care of their guy with a nice long-term deal that's very safe for him if he were to get injured or, or fall off for some reason. And at the same time, they're uh, not having to spend 50% of the cap. They're spending, they're spending a decent amount of money. Don't get me wrong. We're talking about 40 to $50 million a year on this player. But that's reasonable when you're talking about Patrick Mahomes. So I like what they've done there. And I think when you get a Tyreek Hill, they had a number in mind that they were okay with. The number changed because of some things that happened around the league, right? This was kind of like a, a, a maybe unintended, maybe intended consequence of the Raiders trading for and paying Devontae Adams, which Tyreek Hill said, I want that kind of money. You know, 3D chess, maybe the Raiders had something to do with Tyreek Hill leaving there uh, by, by paying Adams mm. the amount that they did. So um, I think eventually you see they had a number, it went above that number, and you can't just uh, continue with pay, 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 especially at the receiver position. Um, I, I think that Tyreek Hill is incredibly important, but um, you've got to see that, that at a certain point, 
um, I don't think the value made sense to them. And, you know, it's a player with character concerns in his past, too. Mm-hmm. So that, that figures into to who you want to pay and make sure you have those really long-term, long-standing members of your organization. So it makes sense to me the way they did it. Uh, last thing for you, Matt Manasarian uh, is our guest. As a former scout uh, with, the, with the Browns and with the Saints, when you look at what the Rams did, they have no first-round pick, then they got rid of their second and their third for Von Miller. Look, the payoff was, was there, right? Uh, they, they, they got the Lombardi Trophy. So. Uh, so that's what it's all about. But long-term, the Rams' um, willingness, I guess, to give up the the draft capital that seemingly to the other one thirty one teams in the in the league means so much and is such a precious commodity. What's the risk of the Rams doing business the way that they did with the draft? Uh, the risk is if you don't win the Super Bowl and then you're you're looking at a, an empty cupboard uh, a few years down the road because because you went all in and you, and you came up empty. Good thing for them that's not what happened. They didn't come up empty at all. Um, you look at what they did. You get the right thing at the quarterback position, and then you figure out the offensive and the defensive line. That's that's how you want to build a football team. You know, by our numbers, they had they had a top five uh, quarterback last year. They had a top two offensive line, um, and they were number one in defensive tackles, number two in edge rushers. So, I mean, yeah, when you, when you get those players and you have Aaron Donald on your team and you figure out Matthew Stafford, then go give up a pick and get Von Miller and win the Super Bowl. And and I'm not going to complain. Uh, it's not fun as a scout when you don't have picks. Right. There was one year I was with the Saints, so I didn't, we didn't pick until the third round. But, man, we made sure to get that third-round pick right, uh, getting a keen picks there. So mm-hmm. there's always some work you can do as a scout. Indeed, yeah, the Rams, their only pick is a compensatory pick right at the very end of round number three. We will talk more next week. Look forward to it. Love these conversations as we uh, inch our way to the draft. Matt Manasarian, you can follow Matt on Twitter, at Matt Mano, M-A-T-T-M-A-N-O, Sports Info Solutions at uh, nfldraft.sportsinfosolutions.com is a terrific tool uh, for you draft folks out there. Good stuff, Matt. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, as always. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Matt Manasarian as we talk NFL Draft. Good conversation there with Matt. And presented uh, throughout this NFL Draft season by Graphite Construction Group. And I will be out with the Sports Fanatics coming up the day before things get started with our second so annual Wednesday night? Yeah, Wednesday be there from 3 to 6. We're going to be... Beware. Iowa Tap Room. Okay. Uh, it'll be in the basement at Ken's Speakeasy. We're going to be hanging out there, do the show, and going to have people coming in, making their picks as we did a year ago. Mm-hmm. Having uh, the guys out at Signorama put together another big draft board as we did a year ago. Really fun event out there, so make sure to get signed up. For any more details, KXNO.com or just follow uh, KXNO on Facebook. You can get the details there of our second annual KXNO Graphite Construction Group mock draft. The Fanatics are busy. Their sandwich hits Jethro's tomorrow. Oh, it does. Yes. It looks awful. Oh, boy. Got to be honest. I, I really think they should have just gone with our idea. Right. A chicken wing and a shot of whiskey. I'm surprised they didn't. Actually, you know what? It looks like they put some thought into they it, did. which kind of surprises me, well. uh, knowing those two. We'll take a time out, come back, finish up the hour. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106. Point- Bets off. Miller and Condon, welcome back. Five minutes before the hour of 11 as we take you up until noon. couple of notes here in our final couple of minutes. I'm sure you saw the news of the uh, Field of Dreams, the expansion in Dyersville. 
Uh, you just why ruin a good thing, right? It was it was so unique, but it's the almighty dollars. As I said, and where were you last year on as far as I thought they should end it after yeah. what we saw last year, right? That's perfection. You're never going to beat it. Mm-hmm. Don't try. Um, but that's the almighty dollar. Now there's going to be a hotel. There's going to be a bunch of fields. I just hope it doesn't take away the, I don't know, the uniqueness of it. It's going to take away the uniqueness. It is. <laughs> I mean, you, you drive up to that site and it's something that you've never seen. It comes from a new movie script. But this is a Hollywood movie that was made about. This is. It was ultimately always about money. And I was there when things were not looking good, when there was a lot of conversation about just bulldozing the thing mm-hmm. out and making it cornfield again and making the thing there. So, yes, it's disappointing in one aspect that it's not going to be the same. But try to take a positive look at this and think about the youngsters that are going to be able to play around there and have events and have teams from across the Midwest descend upon there mm-hmm. and the economic impact mm-hmm, that true. it's going to create yep. for the area and for our state. We have Major League Baseball games now in our state, yeah. something that hadn't happened for over 100 years. We have that now, and maybe on a yearly basis it's going to happen. And if it's not yearly, it's going to happen at least regularly, something that we've never had before. And when it's the Minnesota Cubs Tw- Reds this year, I yes. think? And when the Minnesota Twins play there, I'm going to be yeah. there. And those kind of things are going to be important for baseball fans in our state. I get that take. In I the don't... area. Yep. Yeah. Last year was great. It will never be topped. It was mm-hmm. the first. It was the best. That will always be there. But there's still a place for it. I'm fine with it. Again, we come to the people that just got to be miserable about yeah, everything. True. It's never going to be the same, but we're still talking about a movie site. That's what this was. Oh, it's always about the money. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. And, and the line, I mean, the line that'll live forever, right? Is this heaven? No, it's I would. Right. It gets repeated and written all the time. Um, and as we saw what they did in creating the Major League Baseball Park right next to the field, they're going to do it right. Uh, gonna, yeah, I think so. It's not going to be hokey. It's mm-hmm. not going to be awful. It's going to take away from event what it ultimately is. But same thing just happened. When they put in that Major League Baseball field, it took away from what the Field of Dreams already was. Accept it for what it is. This is a positive thing for our state and certainly a positive thing for up in Northeast Iowa. Yeah, that's, there's no doubt the economic impact there. Yeah, you make valid points, Trent. I, I, I get your, I get, uh, get your side of things. Uh, the, um, when the Blue Jays play there, you're going to go. I th- we might get you out of your yeah, house for once. Yeah, I, I could see that. Hey, I was just out a couple of weeks ago at Adventureland <laughs> at that bar with spectators. So we'll see you again in 2024? Nah, twi- twi- <laughs> not quite that early. Come on. Uh, anyways, uh, Sammy Watkins is visiting the Packers. Has he got anything no. left? He's not that old. He's not. But he's always hurt. Yeah, it's true. Um, Buffalo was where he really cut his teeth, mm-hmm. right? Now, where did he go after that? Now, Casey? He didn't have great quarterback play. Yeah, Kansas City is where he ended up uh-huh. next. It's just it's a health thing for him. No, well, he's, he's going to have a chance if he does sign with the Packers, have a great quarterback there, but can he stay on the field, to your point? All right, we will head to the Twin Cities. Twin Cities sports right now. Pretty good. Just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Well, then you know it's coming. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know it's coming. Uh, but we'll talk to Dane Mazzatani on uh, Twin City Sports, the Vikings, the Twins, the T-Wolves, and the Wild. And then Rob Doster put a bow on college basketball. We're here until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.